one of the um, best things about working with um, One Kingdom here, working upstairs and relief and with World Radio is the fine people you get to meet from other parts of the world. Today we have a very special man uh, with us. That, um, he's from Ghana, the city of Accra. He's a president of a um, university, Heritage University in Accra. Uh, we met him several years ago at Isaac Day's um, hometown. He's actually Isaac's um, mentor, actually Isaac's teacher. So as many of you know Isaac love him, this man is part of the reason Isaac's the man he is today. So he's going to preach to us this morning. Uh, the title of his sermon is, Can You Trust God? And um, I think you and I all know we can, but I trust that as he delivers his sermon today that our eyes and ears and hearts will be open to what he has to say. So come forward, if you will, and we'll pray for you. This is Dr. Uh, Samuel Tomasi Ankara from Accra, Ghana. We're going to have a prayer for him. Father, I'm so grateful for this good man and the way he's encouraged me through the years, his humble spirit, his um, desire to serve you, his um, work through his life to acquire knowledge to better uh, represent you throughout all parts of the world. I pray for him now as he um, speaks to us all that we will have... Um, Open ears, open hearts, and open minds to the Word of God that you uh, that He uh, expresses to us. Thank you for Him, Father. Um, thank you for all that uh, you mean to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. Good morning. I bring you greetings from Ghana, West Africa. The name White Ferry Road Church occupies a special place in the hearts of many people in the Churches of Christ in Ghana. In the early 1980s, when our country was devastated with drought and famine, White Ferry Road Church came to our rescue with lots and lots and lots of medical aid, food aid, in ways that literally saved hundreds of lives. And God used your benevolence to open doors in, in, in phenomenal ways that expanded the growth of Churches of Christ in Ghana and throughout West Africa. I remember as uh, a young man in the congregation getting the opportunity to meet brothers like Don Yelton and Don DeLuke and Jerry Reynolds and many others who spearheaded that wonderful benevolence that Whitefair Road did. Thank you. Let me also take this opportunity to say a big thank you to Brother Roberts and his wife, Kathy, and Brother Ben Atkins and Ryan. And uh, I must say I feel greatly honored by Brother Mike Kelly for asking me to speak to you this morning. I know that 
Sunday after Sunday, you hear the gospel preached to you in an American accent. But this morning, you are going to hear the word of God in, I'll call it, a sermon brewed in an African pot. And the subject I want us to reflect upon is, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? This is going to be a reflection on the Old Testament book of Ruth. The book of Ruth presents us with two powerful photographs. At the beginning of the narrative, we see a picture in which all the characters in the book are crying. They are shedding tears. They are crying as a result of failure and pain and disaster they've suffered. But toward the end of the story, we also see another picture in which the same characters in the book of Ruth are crying. They are shedding tears. But this time, the tears we see in their faces are of a different kind. Tears of joy. Tears of restoration. Tears of hope. And one may ask, what explains the difference in their tears? What turns their tears of sorrow into tears of joy and tears of restoration? Let us take a moment to unpack the story. In chapter 1, we realize that as a result of a severe famine, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, along with their two sons, they migrate from Bethlehem to Moab, ostensibly to seek greener pastures. But not long after they had settled in the land of Moab, Elimelech dies. He dies suddenly, thereby leaving Naomi and her sons, widow and orphans, in a strange land. Fast forward ten years. The two sons have grown up and they marry Moabite ladies. But again, death deals a devastating blow to this family and cuts short the lives of these two young men. Loss upon loss, grief upon grief, and this is the point in our lives when every one of us will ask, why? Oh God, why? Why me? Naomi then decides that she will return to her home country, Israel. But she advises her two daughters-in-law to return to their families. Orpah agrees, but Ruth refuses and rather vows to go with Naomi to Bethlehem. And so as you read from chapters 2 through chapters 3, what you learn is that Ruth 
the young woman commits herself to working in a plantation to take care of Naomi, the older woman, and herself. And while working diligently in the plantation, Boaz, the owner of the, of the farm, shows special concern and care for Ruth. And upon consultation and approval from key family members, Boaz marries Ruth. And this marriage marks a turning point in the lives of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, and even in the entire nation of Israel. Why is that a turning point? Why is this marriage a turning point? It is a turning point because whereas Ruth had been rendered a widow, now she is happily married and has been blessed with a child known as Obed, which in the original language means grace. Whereas Naomi had been bereft of her husband and her two sons for many years, now from the marriage between Ruth and Boaz, Naomi has a wealthy and respectable son-in-law as well as a grandson. Whereas the story began with the two women, Naomi and Ruth, both destitute, nothing to eat, no provider, no protector, no hope for their future. Now the story is turned. Now they are no longer destitute. Now they are no longer helpless or hopeless. Now they have enough to eat. Now they have material possessions in abundance. Now they have great provider. Now they have a powerful protector. And whereas they had no offspring, now a baby boy is born to them who will grow up and perpetuate their family heritage. Therefore, there is hope. There is hope for the present. And there is hope for the future. The book of Ruth is a story of how God's sovereign power and grace is demonstrated in the lives of ordinary men and women who do not lose hope when they are faced with failure, when they are faced with extreme hardship, when they are faced with uncertainties, even tragedies, but rather totally place their trust in the almighty God. There are three lessons I want us to focus our minds on this morning. Three lessons from the book. The first lesson is when we are confronted with making choices to improve upon our living conditions, as Christians we must choose godly principles over pragmatism. Hebrew, Hebrew tradition says that the reason Elimelech died suddenly is because he did not please God in the decision he made. We do not know. That is not exactly what the scripture says. But whatever the case, the lesson remains for us. We must trust God in making decisions to improve our lives 
by following godly and biblical principles and not necessarily pragmatic principles to improve upon our living conditions. We must trust God and he will provide. In fact, when you read Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, God later turned the economic situation back in Israel for the good, for the better. Second lesson. When suffering, loss, and even tragedy doesn't come, they do not mean God has abandoned us. But what it means is God is behind the scenes orchestrating everything for our ultimate good. And we must trust God. And the third lesson is God sees, God cares, and God does intervene even in the day-to-day affairs of human beings, especially for those of us who will make the determination and the commitment to following him. Therefore, we must trust him. On September 25, 1999, a bank executive known as John Murray went skydiving and at 14,500 feet above sea level she died. Unfortunately for her her main parachute did not open. Her backup parachute opened but quickly deflated. And at 80 miles per hour, she came crashing down. And can you guess the spot where she landed? She landed on a mound of fire ants. And by the time the paramedics arrived, they observed that her whole body, half of her whole body had shattered. And the fire ants have swarmed over her body. But they noticed that she was not dead. Her heart was still beating. She had been beaten 200 times by the fire ants. She was in coma for two weeks. And after 20 reconstructive surgeries and 17 blood transfusions, she survived. And later when the doctors who treated her were interviewed. The doctors were of the opinion that the reason John Murray did not die was because the, she was beaten constantly by the fire ants that set adrenaline into her system and kept her heart beating. Call it luck, and you are wrong. <laughs> Call it coincidence, and you are completely wrong. And whether you believe in miracle or not, the point here is that we have a God who often works behind the scenes in favor of those who trust him. Can God be trusted? Absolutely, yes. God can be trusted. 
And so let's put our trust in him no matter what. When Brother Abels and Ben Atkins uh, asked me, called me while I'm in Ghana, called me and said, Brother Mike would like for you to speak. I said, does he know what he's asking for? In Africa, we typically preach for minimum of an hour, and we enjoy it. But I, I showed Ben and Brother Robert that when you are in Rome, you do what Romans do. <laughs> I want to thank you for the opportunity for listening to me. And I hope that God, even though my accent is difficult, I hope that God will place on, his, on your heart the faith so that you trust him. God can be trusted. May God bless us. Amen. Thank you, Sam, uh, for those words. Uh, and if you haven't read Ruth, go read it. It's only four chapters. And uh, it's an awesome story about how, how God redeems and does work behind the scenes. You know, can God be trusted? Yes. The question is, have you done that? You know, God became flesh. He died on a cross to take care of our sins, to make it possible for us to be close to him. He rose from the dead to give us hope beyond this life. And he is in heaven right now working for us to give us hope in this life. And he says, you know, you come to me and you take me on. You put your faith in me, you turn towards me, you make me the Lord of your life, and you reenact that in a watery grave, and I will give you the Holy Spirit, you'll be part of this great family, and you can trust me. So the question is, really, is do you trust him? What's holding you back from doing that if you've not done that? This brother came all the way from halfway around the world to ask us that question, and it's something that we need to ask ourselves every day. But you say, I've done that. But what about every day? What about those of us who have done that? How are we growing? How are we putting one foot in front of the other, trusting him more and more? You know, it's not very often. It, it is often that, that we have people that, that are on this front row surrendering every day, a daily part of their life to him, uh, whether it be things they can't control, whether it be tragedies, whether it be the small things, and they give glory and the triumph. It's about submitting to God and trusting him. Can you trust him? Yes. And we ask that if you've got a decision to make to make that happen, that you do that while we stand and sing right now. <laughs>